0: Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan, and today's guest on the show is Brian McNamara. He is one half of Brave Young Soldier with Viva Dean. They're based in Dublin. They formed in New York last year before they moved back to Dublin and they released their debut EP, I Live Here, on Bandcamp last Friday. That was May the 1st. It was uh, Bandcamp Day. For the second time during the lockdown, Bandcamp waived their fees that they take from a sale on the site, so uh, Brian tweeted actually uh, over the weekend that uh, the money we received on May the 1st from selling REP EP on Bandcamp would take 70k Spotify streams to earn the equivalent. Streaming is unfeasible. It was more an accessibility choice for our first release. Bandcamp equals supporting artists. So spoiler alert, we didn't actually get into uh, that side of things, the whole streaming side and Spotify side, but uh, I think he makes it quite clear their, what his feelings are about it you can buy the ep on braveyoungsoldier.bandcamp.com and if you stick around for the end of the chat you'll hear the title song from it it's called i live here and it's so good it's actually like such great ep so i highly recommend it and don't worry our chat is really good too i think we started off by talking about how brave young soldier started in new york and just brian's journey from galway in 2008, 2009, when he was finishing up his leaving cert to where he is today, where he's also the co-founder of Dublin Digital Radio, which has been going strong for a couple of years now. And as he explains in the chat, seems to have uh, picked up a bit of steam as well. Not just during the quarantine with more shows and more listeners. He says listenership has quadrupled during uh, the lockdown of over the past, like, what is it, seven, eight weeks At this stage, but also they did a fund it for a new studio at the end of 2019, which they easily reached their goal. I think it was 20 grand that uh, they got to quite easily. So there's loads of support there for it. So it was great hearing about Brian's story, how it all started uh, on a drive from Open Ear Festival uh, a couple of years ago to where it is today, where it's just got lots of presenters, lots of new, interesting and exciting young voices on the radio as well. Maybe learning the ropes, maybe developing their chops for uh, more down the line. And it's really exciting to look ahead uh, from DDR's point of view and seeing what's to come. So I really enjoyed this chat with Brian. There's a little issue with his uh, audio for a couple of. minutes early on so you'll hear uh, his side of the audio change for a couple of minutes before it reverts back such is uh life recording interviews over zoom and the various other technical things that we use nowadays but um hopefully you'll stick around and enjoy the chat we started out by talking about that brave young soldier ep i live here five Tracks to start off with the new EP. Is this what happened in quarantine? You had these tracks, and you were like, "Well, I have nothing else to do. It's a time. I focused on this and got them out right up online." Yeah,
1: pretty much. We lived in New York last year. I was there. We were there for like a year, and we made all the tracks there. Actually, mostly recorded in our bedroom in Brooklyn, and some of the vocals. I was working in like a post production studio in New York, and some of the vocals we recorded in there because they had. Lovely vocal boots with nice, nice sound. But two of the tracks, uh, the vocals were just recorded on a Zoom actually in our bedroom. And uh, we were going to like redo them and stuff in the studio, but the, we actually kind of liked the weird sound that we got from it. <laughs> so we just left them as is.
0: So tell me about like moving to New York. Was it just to work in that studio?
1: Yeah, I did a master's three years ago in Dublin called MMT, Music and Media Technology. Lots of people you might know, of, like Rob Robbie Kitt did it. Uh, Linda Buckley used to teach on it, uh, David Donahue. Yeah, it's a great course, changed my life. But after you did that, you're allowed to go to the States for a year, if you want, on a J1-type visa. Yeah, so I went there and got a job in a post-production studio, ended up working there for the year. It was great.
0: Ah, uh, Were you, were you like, hoping to stay longer, planning to stay longer, or was it always just, like, one year, we'll try it out, we'll see how it goes, and then, like, we'll, we'll head back to Dublin?
1: Yeah, it was pretty much, like, uh, I'd always planned to just do the year. You know, I, w- I wasn't, like, totally closed off to it. But, uh, yeah, as I lived there, I was kind of glad at the end to... I was ready to come home. I do miss it, but I, but I was also ready to come home. It's not somewhere I would live permanently, but uh, it was, like, amazing experience.
0: So, like, Brave Young Soldier, did it actually just start over there, like, with you and Viva Dean? Or was it something that you had had, like, kind of um, been planning for a long time beforehand? And why did it start over there as well?
1: Yeah, it totally started over there. But it wasn't planned. Uh, we basically just wanted to make some music together and Viva had been writing a lot of lyrics and she writes like little poems and things all the time, she's always writing. And we were like, Oh, this would be cool to do some music too. So yeah, we just kinda started messing around, I had a few synths and drum machines in our room and we started putting stuff together. Um and we both kinda made the music together and arranged it together and stuff. Um, and it felt like very very New York. I don't think it's something that I would have made in Ireland.
0: I've I've, I've kind of noticed that kind of, like, vocal, um, uh, what do you call it, like, performance over a kind of an ele- electro-electronic beat. Uh, it's kind of become more popular. I don't know, is there, like, a specific kind of genre that it's actually, like, classified as?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's like, often when I'm sending it or showing it to people, I don't really know, like, what to call it or how to explain it or anything. Because, like, it is, like, the bones of techno or house or whatever, you know, it's electronic electro kind of beats but the the spoken word kind of element i guess you could call it kind of totally changes it to be more of a you know it's it's like do you, would you listen would you be dancing to this in the club or is it like stuff that you sit at home and listen to i don't know it's kind of in between
0: yeah like when you sent it to me and we were emailing back and forth trying to sort this out I was just like oh you know you've got to send it to Keanu Crevon <laughs> and you were like I've, I've already sent it to him just because like it's it's that kind of song where I just think like if if you ca- kind of don't know when to play it like in the club or at home or like on headphones or whatever Keanu like is just able to make sense of a track like that and where it should go and where it should fit in with other stuff as well yeah
1: yeah I've actually been a big fan of Keanu I grew up in Galway, and so, um, my mom knows Keane quite well. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, he's, he's just been a, a legend. Like when I first started getting into DJing, Keane was a great help. And yeah, we've been in contact for years. Oh, great. He's a, ver- a very good man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, maybe tell me about that, like how you kind of got started, because you're one of the co-founders of uh, DDR, and I think it kind of, it seems to have started just like um, with, you having volunteered in berlin community uh radio and kind of figuring out maybe that's something that could work in dublin what about like before that how did you know that you wanted to kind of get into uh djing and how did you get to berlin
1: when i first started getting into it i was like 16 my brother my i have an older brother Emmett, he was djing when i was like a child <laughs> he's a good but he's like eight years older than me so he always had like a set of decks in the house um and i guess that that's how i first got into it and then when I was in like even I started like playing in clubs in Galway, and playing uh, at Debs, <laughs> Debs and grads and stuff like that. It was terrible. <laughs> and, then, and then yeah, started playing in. Uh, we ran a night in what used to be the GPO it's now it's actually not a club anymore it was gpo then it was carbon i think and now it doesn't exist it's turning into a weather in galway there
0: oh when when would the, <laughs> yeah. when would this have been this is
1: 2000 and um, i did my leave and say it's 2009
0: oh okay okay yeah yeah,
1: um, so yeah geez that's like 11 years ago wow <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, what was Galway like? Was it was it like a welcoming kind of place? Like, did it have places that you could go? Or were you always like, you know, oh, I want to go to Dublin, want to get out of here and actually find some new spaces?
1: It was actually quite good at the time. There was this club called... So <laughs> when you're in Lievenstherr, you kind of split into like... There was a club called Cuba. And that was where like all the, you know, th- the music heads would go. <laughs> and then there was another cu- club called... Uh cps which is electric now but used to be cps and uh that was like for getting pissed (laughs) that's a very large generalization but uh (laughs) i like that you're
0: i like that you're like having to mind your words about how you describe these places (laughs) yeah people
1: who were kind of into mean like maybe three or four mates would have been into djing and stuff and we used to go to cuba and there was a dj there called berno he used to play this was 2009 so it was like Justice, like uh, Errol Alkin, kind of electro clash, kind of stuff. Um, and he used to play that, and we used to, yeah, get our minds blown. But it was good. And then, like a year when I moved to Dublin, then for college, yeah. But a year after that, a club called Factory in Galway opened. Um, by jo- John Gillen, his uh, he still run. He's still a part of Electric, I think. Um, but Factory was like something that I had I know Galway used to have a big scene before I was like old enough to go out there used to be like you know Fatboy Slim, Carl Cox regularly playing but I kind of missed the boat on that with my age but this was like the first time that they'd been getting like regular international bookings every weekend into a club in Galway so we used to go back to Galway every weekend pretty much from Dublin to go clubbing in Factory and it was great it was amazing it was such a good time for Galway I don't think it doesn't really uh, happen anymore like that
0: here in cork you know we always have kind of sir henry's and people would always be talking about you know like oh the the glory days of like dance and clubbing and stuff like that is that the same in in galway like people would be talking about like um fat boy slim and all those uh like i guess uh when would that have been like 19 like late 80s early 90s uh i think
1: i think even later maybe like 98 maybe like mid mid i think that most of the 90s there was like a lot of good clubs going on. Like, there was 15 nightclubs in Salt Hill at one stage. 15? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, which is insane. <laughs> like, there's, like, two nightclubs in Galway now. Um And there used to be... Apparently, there used to be, like, you know, a split between people who would go to Salt Hill for your night out and people who would go to the city. But, yeah, like, I have I have a few older friends from Galway who would have been, like, Pork Disco Not and Kean and, uh you know, a few of the older DJs. And they... They showed me, I think, I can't remember who showed it to me now, but they showed me a magazine. There used to be a dedicated Irish DJ magazine. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it was in the 90s. And it had the lineup for all the Galway clubs for, like, the month of March or something. And it was just crazy. It was like, you know, it was like a London or Berlin club.
0: Wow. It's it's so mad to think about, just, like, there's no way that could happen now, like.
1: No. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what it is, if it's like, like, obviously, there's always been a big student population in Galway. And I think a lot of people were traveling from like Donegal, Sligo, Mayo, you know, all the West Coast kind of coming down to Galway to go clubbing. Like that just doesn't really happen anymore. And I don't I don't think the students, the student population are just that into dance music anymore. Like, or, or the DJ culture the same way. Like, I don't know, people just seem to be really into it for some reason in that era. But yeah, I don't know if it's all, there's probably also a bit of nostalgia. Yeah. Like, who knows what it was actually like. <laughs>
0: Uh it's it's like when you're telling me the timeline, like graduating from the leaving cert and moving to Dublin in two thousand and nine, like all I can think is just recession, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. that, like that's that's kind of where like this big kind of creative spurt came from in Dublin. And I get I'm presuming like you were kind of uh in in that circle as well. Like um, you know, I remember block T and hearing stories about that place.
1: Yeah, like I, I actually kind of came to like I'd say the current like DDR kind of people and like that kind of type of music a little bit later. I was definitely into like much shiter music for a good while. (laughs) Like just kind of like when I first moved to Dublin, I was DJing a bit, but like definitely more like uh, studenty kind of music, you know, like deep house kind of stuff. And like, yeah, just stuff I wouldn't be into at all now, but it was all part of, you know, getting a bit more educated with it. I was more into, like, partying, I'd say, for the first year or two. <laughs> just moving, moving to Dublin and, like, getting a bit carried away. That has to um, be done as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, it's all... You know, that's why I, I wouldn't really hate on any clubs or that's... You know, you see people complaining about, oh, it's just such a young crowd in that club or something like that. or, But, like, that's all part of it. They need somewhere to go as well, you know.
0: Just before we, like, continue kind of your journey, I did want to ask you, you know, kind of the state of Dublin at the moment. Maybe, like pre-lockdown because it's hard to think what it's going to be like post-lockdown or anything like that is clubbing still a big part of the city or is it kind of like more and more kind of like uh you're trying to squeeze these good you know good good clubs and air quotes or whatever into like smaller and smaller spaces
1: yeah yeah i I guess i kind of missed the last year of clubbing because i was living in new york and like i only moved back in a like late november so I only got a few months, about two months of clubbing in there before everything closed. But like, yeah, I mean, in in regards to like DDR and the parties, we run, like we usually just run our parties in Jigsaw. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's a community centre, I would say, rather than a specific nightclub. You know, it's BYOB. There's no bouncers and stuff like that. And it's probably my favourite dance floor in the world, actually. <laughs> I actually think it's an amazing place. Not being a, Capital-backed, you know, actual nightclub. It's always in danger of closing down, so I don't know how long it'll last. But on, honestly, I think it's one of the best places I, I've I've been to parties in the world. But in regards to actual nightclubs, obviously there's slim pickings. Uh, you got Tengu, which is a restaurant. There's lots of great nights there and great parties, but I just can't enjoy myself whenever I'm there because the layout of the, you know, you got the smoking area and the toilet on each side of the dance floor, so there's just always people. Crisscrossing and bumping into you—it's quite hard to zone out in there. I find, and uh, you got Wigwam, which has kind of changed from the, the legendary Twisted Pepper that it used to be. It's not really the same crowd in there. But I I still love the basement dance floor down there, but yeah, clubbing in Dublin in general, like you know, just look at the Give Us Tonight campaign—that's that's the main problem. I find until we fix that, I don't know what else it's going to do.
0: Just later later hours is like the key number one thing.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if it's later hour. Like, later hours is obviously a part of it, but the the licensing fees are a huge thing for me. So like, it's just really hard for anyone to open a new place right now. And like, it's honestly, it's not really worth it. Like the fees you have to pay to open for four hours at night. Like that's why you have to be a restaurant or a cafe or whatever during the day. And I, I think until that changes, will like there will be no. There'll just always be a small choice.
0: Would you be optimistic that it will change? Like it did seem like Give Us the Night had a lot of momentum, um, like even around the time of the uh, election, and there was positive stuff coming out of it. I mean, who knows what it's going to be like now? But um, did you th- did you think that like oh things might actually change this year?
1: Yeah, maybe. Like they they were actually making a good bit of ground, and like Fine Gael would be the last party you would expect probably to get on board with that stuff, but they actually were. They seem to be listening. Like economically, it's a no brainer. Like, it would create jobs, and I think spinning it that way to the politicians is the best way of going about it. Like, look at all the business this will generate. If, you have, if you're if you stagger opening times, if you have a proper transport service that, you know, workers and bar workers can use at night time, it's all good for the economy. And I guess when this all ends, that's the kind of stuff that they'll want to be trying to do to kickstart it again. I mean, it's a no-brainer for, for people like you and me, but it's just trying to convince convince the others of what works
0: yeah did did you find like when you were living in New York and maybe Berlin a couple of years before as well that was kind of where the clubbing culture was going a little bit kind of in smaller spaces or kind of in uh spaces that would have been restaurants during the day
1: yeah I get I guess so like I mean I've always preferred smaller places in general I just think it's more fun but like to compare cities like with dublin I think the small nightclub space in dublin is just harder and harder to run because of those licensing rules like like if you think a Wigwam's basement it's like a two i think it's 250 or 300 capacity at a squeeze like and i think that's if you know people are allowed to roam between both floors or whatever and like besides that and tengu where is there another small to medium spaced club you know button factory is a huge step up from that it's like a thousand people or whatever academy the same and that's the only kind of feasible way if you're just a dedicated nightclub you have to be able to hold, like, a thousand people or whatever. And that just totally pushes out small to medium-sized artists. Like, you know, where, where are you supposed to, to learn your trade or play to a handful of people before you move on to a button factory or an academy or, or whatever? You know, and even for bands and stuff like that, it's the, it's the same issue. Whereas if you compare that to New York or Berlin, there's tons of clubs that are all of different sizes. So you've got like, you know, 100 people, 200 people, whatever, up to thousands. And it makes a huge difference to the type of gig that can be put on. Um, And it definitely is not as much of like a headline culture as I would say is in Dublin at the minute.
0: I guess that headline culture will be something that might have to change, like um, whenever we're allowed out into clubs again. You know, I think there will maybe be more of a focus on local, maybe for a while anyway. You would
1: hope so. Like, I'm not. I mean, it's great to see a headliner every now and again, but uh, it, it, like it, it doesn't really play into the whole the local scene, I don't think, um, and that's like something we we really tried to do when we started DDR. Like we've never booked an international artist for any of our parties ever. Not to say that we never would, but it's just like something we don't feel like we need to do because there's other people already doing it, and like we felt that we had such great talent in Dublin across a huge range of different types of music and stuff and that there was just no need to bring any anyone international in and like why not showcase what we have here and yeah i think when this is lifted there'll probably be travel restrictions of some sort for who knows how long so it'll be the chance for yeah local scene to get get back on top
0: coming back to ddr now like where it's at right now are you kind of almost surprised that like the idea that you had like Maybe four years ago, I guess has has like created all of this. Like, was was that the plan? Like, back back in twenty sixteen, <laughs> no. or like, what was like the main goal?
1: <laughs> there was I don't know if there was a main goal. <laughs> yeah, I kind, I kind of got the as you mentioned earlier. I was, I was living in Berlin for a few years, and I was work uh like volunteering with a BCR Berlin Community Radio. Or IP, it ended last year. It was a great place. Um, I used to do Fridays there I used to like take the artists in every Friday and make sure things were running smoothly and I was just like oh this should like exist in Dublin this would be amazing Uh, and then when we came back when I moved back to Dublin uh, it was actually the first year Open Ear was on so yeah it was around 2016 and uh, Sean Finnan who I set up DDR with um, yeah the two of us were just like oh let's go for it but yeah the plan at the start was just like Let's just I think we only ran that weekends at the very start because we didn't have enough shows to, to fill the rest. And there wasn't like a huge plan of what definitely didn't think it would be what it is now. But it was just kind of like, oh, let's like have a radio station where people who don't really get a chance to go on the on RT etc. um, you know, let's highlight stuff that isn't really highlighted. Um and let's have like a community kind of space. That was like one of the main things we wanted to do at the start, like have somewhere where people could go. And kinda play music and share music and share ideas or whatever. Um and then yeah, it it exploded quite quickly actually. We had to get new get new helpers and stuff like that.
0: Open ear, I don't know if you've been like since, but it seems like a festival that people always find invigorating and like creatively rewarding. Was there something about the festival, like the way that it kind of brings together maybe a an actual like community of people who are quite disparate and who might have only been into this type of music, like on the internet. Was it just like, it was just a particularly good weekend that you were like, you know, just inspired to create something.
1: Kind of. Yeah. Like I know the guys who run open air quite well. And uh, it it does feel like the same kind of thing that we're trying to do with DDR in that like all of a sudden it's these little pockets of music scenes that were around Ireland that probably would have never interacted much before. And now they're all concentrated in this one place, and it's great. And you get people from, you know, all different types of music suddenly interacting with each other and sharing ideas and being at the same festival, and o- only watching most of the weekend one stage. So everyone's like experiencing all this different type of music. But it was it was on the <laughs> it was on the way back from that festival in the car that we really wanted to do it because uh, we were driving back. You know, it's like a seven hour, eight hour drive or whatever to Shirkin Island, and. Uh, We had no, on the way back, no, everyone's phone was dead, and there was no CDs or anything, and we had to listen to the radio, and we were just like, oh man, this sucks, like, (laughs) you know, after being at a three-day music festival of the most bizarre and wonderful music, to have to listen to, you know, standard kind of uh, national airwaves was... We were just like, yeah, let's let's do this.
0: It hasn't changed since like there. There are still some really, really good people working in like, uh, you know, those national radio stations. And there's some good oh, shows. Yeah, absolutely. There's some good shows if you go looking. But overall, like particularly on daytime, it's it's so hard to actually listen to it.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, that's not to to totally brush aside radio. You know that you've got uh, you got Kean every night, every weekday night. Lots of the stuff on Lyric like John Kelly. And Peter Curran on 2XM as well. And there's still loads of good shows happening. But yeah, that was daytime kind of sitting in your car, kind of driving around. You know, it's really hard to find something. But we were like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we just had somewhere to play some alternative music, you know? We, you know, there, we were just really anti-playlist at the time. That was what was getting us, getting us down.
0: Is that kind of the, like, uh, the only rule? Or maybe, like, not the only rule. Uh... <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Like the like we often get people bands sending us music and stuff. Like, hey, can you play like this on your station? And we're like, we don't tell anyone to play anything. Like, if you, if you want, you can send this to shows, like to show hosts. But we don't have like a station playlist or anything like that, you know. Which I often feel bad because it's really nice when people send you their music, um, and you want to be able to help. But we're always like, oh, maybe you know, depending on the type of music it is, maybe you should contact X, Y, Z. Because we're digital, there are pretty much no rules at the minute. In general, we d- we try to stay away from like uh, people just playing techno for two hours and not talking, because <laughs> um, we feel like that's already being done in loads of places like very well. And we we try to do something yeah a little bit different every time. We do have techno, but <laughs> but not you know we try to not have like hours of it
0: i guess it is kind of just about developing the trajectory of the of the station as well like you want to kind of like move on and move up as well
1: yeah i mean it was definitely like uh pretty much only music for the first like six or seven months i would say and then like very quickly we were like oh this could this could get stale you know let's branch out a bit so we had a politics show for a while and yeah we have like movie review shows and you know we were like okay let's let's diversify as much as possible and uh, that's still something we we're trying to do all the time. We're always like, hey, what what are we lacking right now? You know, let's let's reach out to people and see if they would do a show, things like that. Yeah.
0: How many people do you have making shows now? Like, are are you actually full? Are You like, please don't please don't get in contact, or are you like, you know, you're you're happy to uh, get new uh, people asking about it?
1: Well, it's funny because like pre lockdown, most people just did their radio shows on the evenings and weekends, and um, so we were pretty packed for, like, those hours, you know, from, like, 5 to 5 p.m. to midnight, Monday to Friday, and then, like, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And there was always, like, free space during the daytime. But now that stuff has changed, and lots of people uh, work from home or have lost their jobs. Um, There's, like, lots of people doing daytime slots now. And it's really, like, brought life to the station, I, I feel, anyway. You know, you listen to, like... I don't know if you listen to, like, Charlie Bones on NTS in the, in the morning. He, he, he'd be on from, like, 9 till 12 in the mornings. And I always felt like that kind of area was something we could have on DDR. And uh, we ha- we've started all these breakfast shows since quarantine started. And uh, it's brilliant. And we, we have, like... I think we've, like, quadrupled our listenership in the last two weeks. People are just really into it. Because I think people, like, listen to DDR a lot at work, depending on the type of job they do. They'll just have it on in the background or whatever. Um, and it's much nicer having live shows than than playbacks of the night before or whatever. Yeah,
0: people recording their shows presumably at home and stuff. You did a big funded, like a successful funded, as well at the end of uh, twenty nineteen to open a new studio in the complex. Straight away, like a couple of months after it opened, are you like, do do you actually even need a studio like to be able to like host this radio station? Like, does it make you question everything? <laughs> yeah.
1: What a waste of uh, 20k or whatever it was. Yeah, it's a shame. It's just sitting there now. Uh, We only got like two months out of it before we shut down. Even when the studio was open, there were still people recording from home. We don't recommend it. Like we try to push people to come into the studio just because, especially with the new place, like we really want DDR to be a place where you can come and hang out even if you're not doing your show. Or like stick around for an hour or two after or before your show, you know, chat to people. We've got a big lounge area there and there's like couches and a hangout area. It's an office space as well that a few of us work from. So yeah, we do try to encourage people to come to the studio. Obviously we can't do that now and it isn't totally needed. But like the equipment we have in the studio is much better and stuff like that. You know, we've got world-class mics and CDJs and mixers and sound desks and all that, um, which the fund kindly paid for. Um, so I, w- I do miss it, like I do miss the, the, just the sense of like meeting people every day and having that community kind of hub. I mean, it's still been great to be on the chat box online and stuff and meet people that way. But yeah, I, I do feel like a little bit is missing not having the studio.
0: And so how much time, say before the quarantine, would you have spent on DDR? And are you actually spending more time on it now, like kind of the behind the scenes stuff?
1: Yeah, well, there's there's quite a big team of us only like six months after me and Sean started the station. Like, we we brought on on board a lot more people. It it fluctuates how many people do, because obviously we're all volunteers. um, So people kind of come in and out as they they please, which is fine. Um, But there's usually about 10 of us kind of running things. And, like, everyone has their different roles and stuff. And the scheduling team, I must give them a shout-out. Tom and Rachel, they're just doing loads of work. (laughs) Because they're scheduling all these new shows and moving stuff around because of quarantine. And it's uh it's tedious stuff, but fair play to them. But yeah, there's like like there's more there's more shows happening now than there was. More listeners, more everything. I would say, but I don't know if it's more work. Our parties have all stopped, which are a good bit of work as well. All all the external events and you know partnerships we do, none of that's really happening at the minute. So I don't know if it's more work, that way. But uh, a lot of scheduling.
0: I was—I was just wondering, like, while while you were talking and explaining all of the work that kind of goes into it, where you found the time for brave young soldier and to like start it all up? I was <laughs> like, man, what? Where is his free time?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually like uh, at the minute I, I work freelance. I work from the DDR studio, which I don't know if it was good, or, good or a bad move yet, because I always end up doing DDR stuff every day when I'm in there. Uh, but it's nice to be able to like be there every day. Cause in our previous studio, uh, like there, w- there wouldn't be someone there all the time. So like often people who was doing a show would just go in and do their show and leave. Um, and if they had like an issue or whatever, they'd have to call someone or message someone. Whereas now I'm just there and can usually fix it on the spot. But yeah, it does take up a lot of time. It's something we're trying to address at the minute.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, listen. Be- best of luck with uh, DDR. It sounds like it is. It has kind of like. Um i don't know being galvanized i suppose in the past couple of weeks as as you kind of say like you know with the listenership picking up and everything so hopefully that kind of continues and uh like it goes from strength to strength and like brave young soldier the B is released on may 1st so best of luck with that is that kind of like um the the main thing you're looking towards with that at the moment or do you have kind of more of a plan like do you have more releases to come as well over the year
1: uh, yeah, well, we were supposed to do like uh, we were supposed to play at this festival a few weeks ago. Um, alternating current—it's <laughs> only like three weeks ago, or a month ago. It feels—it's crazy. <laughs> Remember that? Uh, but yeah, we, that was supposed to be like the debut live show, and we were going to like sell the record at it and stuff. Uh, but we kind of abandoned those plans, and we were like, "Oh, let's just release it digitally." But yeah, we're planning to do another release this year, hopefully, as well, if we can. Uh, Viva, my girlfriend. Is just finishing her thesis so she's very uh, occupied at the minute and uh yeah i'm just busy all the time but yeah it's important to make time to make music i think it's yeah it's keeping me sane at the minute anyway
0: cool cool um great well look best luck with that and best luck with uh ddr and everything else as well and thanks for uh chatting
1: yeah no bother thank you very much
2: So I did. Again, how far there is to fall? How far, so far is to, as to fall. fall from here? The voices around me joined into one. Miles away, it happens all the time. So far as I remember.